What's up everybody, Mitch Michaels here and it's time for another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening to the sports podcast. We got a lot to talk about. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books. I talked to my buddy Ryan Souls about what the best picks were, the five quarterbacks taken in the first 15 picks, the situations for each, and we break down how each team's attack their needs in the NFL Draft recap. We also talk about Aaron Rodgers, who shockingly, maybe not shockingly, decided he wanted out of Green Bay. We'll see where that goes, if that's a veiled threat, if he's really serious, what the future is in store for him, and what teams could be in the market for one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Then I talked to Matt Wittenberg about some baseball, the Dodgers, who have been a little slow out of the gates, not really a cause for concern yet, but we break down the young stars in baseball, the Cardinals doing better, my Indians, what they're looking like, and the AL looking a little down and uh, vulnerable for a time as well. We also talk some hockey, a little basketball, everything you need with uh, Matt Wittenberg. First up, Ryan Souls here on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, 2021 NFL Draft is in the books. Here to recap that on the Money Mitch Effect. None other than my boy Ryan Souls hopping on the line. Ryan, another draft in the books. Thanks for coming on. A lot to talk about, but I guess we'll start with uh, with this. 2021 draft, you just said it before we started. One of the, one of the more fun ones. Kind of a throwback to having fans there and uh, you know having it be a lively environment. Yeah, man. It was. It was I don't know if it was... Just not having a normal one in 2020 with the pandemic and all. But this one just had a lot of good energy. It was just fun to watch. I watched that entire first round. I was glued to the screen. And, you know, I I caught every pick. And it was just, it was really cool. Really cool. It was very fun. Um, But I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to do an audible here, Ryan, because we should start with uh, the the non-draft story. Uh, We got to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I guess it's a draft story. Aaron Aaron Rodgers (laughs) threw an audible, so let's do it too. (laughs) Yeah, another quarterback, another top five, top ten all-timer that wants out of Green Bay after 15, 16 years. Sound familiar? Well, that's where we're at again, and it's uh, Aaron Rodgers who, on draft day, the report came out. No words, it's important to note, no words from him but his team leaking it out that he's not happy, he wants out, he's not he's not in the in it for the long haul anymore based on some slights perceived and real or, or otherwise I should say. And uh, this all I would think Ryan goes back to the Jordan Love pick where he wasn't even prepped on that the Packers traded up for to get Jordan Love. But before we break everything else down, what was your initial reaction when you saw Aaron Rodgers wasn't happy, wants out, and seems at least at the moment like he's pretty set in his ways. Yeah, you know, and I think, to to your point, I think it actually goes back a little bit before Jordan Love. I think it's when they hired Matt LaFleur. I think, you know, they've grown to to like each other now through winning. But I, I think if you put Aaron on a lie detector beforehand, I don't think Matt LaFleur would have really been high up on his list as somebody he wanted to coach him. And I think uh, he may have had some input there, and they may not have listened. So I really think it started there, but... I think that this was this was going to happen uh, with the way the Packers do business, with really building through the draft and not doing a ton in free agency unless they absolutely have to. They were going to be looking to Aaron Rodgers to really carry them, and unlike the Brett Favre, you know, sort of prime years where you had Freeman and Drivers and Jennings. Really, after Greg Jennings with Rodgers, it was kind of a, a big break until he got Devontae Adams. So that offense was really limited and just really put on his shoulders. And 
I'm not trying to absolve Aaron Rodgers of anything either because, you know, it, his play was, you know, although great and historic in some regards, he could have played better. Also, especially the year previous to last, but to me, just this whole thing with the, the, the Packers drafting a corner and this draft, you know, I just think it's a, it's another just giant yeah. F you to Rodgers <laughs> if you're on his side. Yeah. And it's just, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, there's a lot to there's a lot to this story, and I want to start off with this. Aaron Rodgers, maybe not the most I don't want to say weird, but maybe not the most normal guy. He's different, and I think that's mm-hmm. part of it is that he's you know kind of walks to the beat of his own drum is the way to put this. Because I do think that there are some real slights here that are justified, but there's some stuff that you know at the end of the day it is pro football, it is a professional sport, and mm-hmm. they're not going to cater to everything that he does. Um, looking at the draft picks and. And that's the first thing. You look at the fact that they haven't drafted an offensive skill position guy and that they've drafted a lot of defense in there. Look, I, I saw the breakdown of the fact that there are more wide receivers that have made all pro teams in the last, I think, five or six years from the second round on than first-round picks. Just going to show you that that stat, I mean, Devontae Adams was not a first-round pick, and he's maybe mm-hmm. the best receiver in football, top three for sure. I think the problem is that they have missed those draft picks for sure. And the Jordan Love pick is the one that, of course, that's going to piss him off because he's not in the loop. I think that's the core of all of this is that they don't involve him in apparently anything that they do. And that is a legit gripe, I think. Now, a lot of teams are going to draft quarterbacks or are going to make moves like that older on, you know, when a quarterback, their starting quarterback gets old. But I, I think absolutely. we've learned we've learned that you can just keep them on the bench and they'll never get on. If Rodgers' play doesn't dip, what does he really have to worry about? Now, the football side of it is, yeah, that's a dumb pick because you got to the NFC Championship game. You had issues. Maybe it wasn't receiver, but it was the offensive line. It was the, the trenches getting blown up by the Niners there, and you, you addressed quarterback instead. That's an entirely different issue, and it's a legit one. But, you know, I think that... This is this seems to me, Ryan, like the and we don't know because no, Rogers isn't speaking, but it's the final straw that broke the camel's back because this isn't just one thing. This is a a accumulation of just a, a rift growing to the point where Rogers finally, in his mind, has had enough. Yeah, I, I agree. That's definitely what it feels like. I think the leverage that Aaron Rodgers has is him really just choosing to act, you know, indignant really towards the team or we well, can get the GM fired. I mean, that, that can happen. I mean, <laughs> but, 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 but here's the thing. If you do that, Mitch, then <laughs> the organization is basically saying Aaron's yeah, in control. I know. I, I know. <laughs> so... I, but the timing of this move and, and that's my, look, I'll never be fully against a player speaking up and saying that, you know, they're not happy and that they, you know, they might want to change the scenery or they want, you know, discussions. Russell Wilson just did that a couple months ago. But my problem is the timing of this. If he was super serious about leaving, do it right when the season ends or shortly thereafter. You do it draft day, which the symbolism is he was probably sticking it to the Packers because of what happened at the draft last year. Mm-hmm. But, Ryan, it, it, you know this. It, it, the slots aren't there anymore. You know, the Rams already made their move for Matt Stafford. All these teams are, are trying to have, draft, have to draft quarterbacks that night. You know, there's a much bigger market for Aaron Rodgers if he truly wanted to leave if he would have made this announcement a couple months ago and not gotten a little petty, in my opinion. But I think it also kind of was building because I think when – who I forget who asked him towards the end of the season. He said he wished – he hopes he does stay in Green Bay, but he says things happen and he doesn't know. So I think he did want to stay, but I just – I think 
you know, when you can sit back and reflect and I think what really probably killed him was seeing, you know, Tom get out and go win, you know, really having to step over him to do it. And then, you know, he he goes to all these weapons, not even to mention Antonio Brown until the middle of the season. And Aaron's second receiver is Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez Scantling. So I think that's that's yeah. his big his well, biggest gripe. But if you're the Packers it, it does me no good not to try to draft for the future. And even if I wanted to trade Aaron Rodgers, why would I trade you to somebody good? Because then I really look stupid. Exactly. And that's why the Packers are, are handling it so far the way you have to. No, there is no trade. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got years left on his contract. We're doing everything we can to repair the relationship. But there's no way they win this. I mean... No, not at all. You know, Aaron Rodgers, when he took over for Brett Favre, had years in the tank and was coming on and had gotten time in games and, had, by all accounts, looked great in practice. Love well, is, you know. and to that point, Aaron was projected to have been, could have been the first overall pick in that draft. He just fell. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and Jordan that Love was all. never seen to be that. Yeah. No, no. Um, the other thing, too, and I, I saw this today on uh, on one of the networks where they basically said, he wanted more say in personnel decisions. They had a receiver that was a bottom of the depth chart guy, uh, Wisconsin guy, Kumaro, and they cut him, and that was like Rodgers was pissed about that. Now, this isn't an impact player, but this just shows me, Ryan, that there's some serious issues here. If he's flipping out over you know, one of the receivers at the back end of the roster getting cut, then that, that's not one thing that's upsetting him. I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> there's a lot more depth here, and, and, and I don't know, with him not talking, stuff leaking out, I just I don't know what the play is for him, honestly. Like I don't know truly how much he wants to leave. If he just wants to stir it up and just fire a warning shot, so to speak, or if he truly is set on I will never play again in Green Bay. Yeah, it just seems like he wants to make them as, as uncomfortable as possible. And I heard this on one of the networks too. Someone made this point, like, dude, just just stop hiding behind the leaks and just come out and say you don't want to be there. That's the thing. Now, if he does that, that changes the conversation, but I don't think he wants to do that. And look, I said Aaron, Aaron Rodgers marches to, a, to, to the beat of a different drum here. Uh-huh. He goes on media sh- He goes on shows. He's, he's not a, a private person. This is not, it would not be hard for him <laughs> to make a statement here. No. Uh, we know the cap issues and everything where – if the Packers are going to trade him, if they're going to find a partner, if all that stuff, it's going to be in July when the cap side of it makes it a little easier. But that's a ways away, and we still don't know what the true intentions are. So Green Bay has to stay pat. Um, I actually thought their draft was pretty solid. I mean, you don't know what was happening with Aaron Rodgers, but um, yeah, I, I just this is look, we're at a we're at a, a turning point. And and like you said, one last point on that, Tom Brady proved that. You can win. You can go in one year. You can go to a new place, and you can win right away. You can set up a, an offense that works with these elite quarterbacks. Guys want to come there and play. They'll take less money. Uh, you know, So that option is definitely enticing for sure, uh, that the grass might be greener. Man, I'm just I'm waiting to see how this goes. I thought it was going to happen on draft night. but I thought I at think... first, but then I realized that a, a move of that magnitude, and when you hear the reports that, yeah, the Niners called, and right. they're like, no, like you're wasting your time. Stop. Um, that said, though, Ryan, I only think there's two markets that make sense from a capital and from a football standpoint, and you can probably well, guess what they are. I we might be thinking the same too, but I had a third to throw in there. Okay. So, yeah. I, so 
uh, the reason why I thought Denver didn't pick Justin Fields Denver's is because I thought number they could have got Rodgers and then Oakland. Yeah, or oh. well, Vegas, but yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're aligned yeah, there. Yeah, no, uh, Denver for sure. I mean, both these teams look. Both these teams roster wise, not terrible. You know, yeah, Denver kinda, far better though. Kind of. <laughs> I don't. I mean, look, I was dead wrong about the Broncos last year. I thought they could make a playoff push, but the Raiders and the Broncos were both in that mid tier that just you know it fell apart. They had issues and. <laughs> That yeah. doomed them, but very similar to what Tampa Bay was the year before Brady got there. You know, mm-hmm. not terrible, not great. Get a great player, get a transcendent player, change the culture, add some talent. Denver's got the LA connection, and they've also got their plan B in place, right? Like if if they can't get Rodgers, you know, roll out Lock, roll out Teddy, see what happens. But they're going right. to lean heavily on LA has the Peyton connection, has the fact that look, come here, we'll we'll settle it. You're you're close enough to the West Coast. The roster's good. We'll get I mean and honestly, if you look at their skill guys, kind of the most slept on underrated team. I really yeah, do like their weapons. Yeah. Especially the I draft. Love, the running yeah. back they just got from North Carolina. And I love Judy, man. Yeah. So and they got a good defense over there too. So no, it would I think Denver would be great. I like the idea of Rodgers in silver and black, but oh, Rodgers and Gruden, man, that is gonna be hilarious if that happens. That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Rodgers would get Gruden fired after a year. Probably. He's um, still got a bunch of years left on that $100 million contract, but maybe. Yeah. What was so the third you, team, though? What was the third oh, team? Oh, the third team. And you're not going to want to hear this at all. And I don't know how they would how they could make it work, but Pittsburgh, mm. they need a quarterback. And I, I don't might, know I how might, they could I think get I'm done with the NFL, then. I think I'm contractually obligated <laughs> and just, you know, if Rodgers is a stealer. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I think it's completely far-fetched because I just don't see it happening. But they, I mean, Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh makes perfect sense. There's a thing with Ben, though, that I feel like this is like their last, they're, they're giving him one last go because of what he's done. And not that I mm-hmm. totally disagree. We see it a lot with players in, the, in all sports that I don't think you, I don't think, man, it's funny because I really dislike the guy. But I don't think you send <laughs> a guy, I don't think you send a guy out like this that's done so much, you know? Like, I think I you, you kind of owe it to him to just give him, you know, the chance to just want, you know, even even Eli Manning for the benching and stuff. It was kind of like, okay, now it's time. Send off and, and we'll go from there. Um, but, no, I mean, look, the reality of it is every team, if it financially made sense, I mean, all but, what, three or four teams should be trying to get Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I mean, like, there's not many that shouldn't be going for him here uh, if he's available. Years are left. And you could win right away. Even if even if you told me four years, that's all he's in. And then four and done, that's four years where you're contending, most likely. A hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. And I'll tell you this, I don't the forty ers just drafted Trey Lance, but I I bet Kyle Shanahan would try to get Aaron Rodgers still if he could. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a that's a nice segue. We'll we'll talk we'll focus on the draft now here. Ryan Souls on the money Mitch effect. Q B draft as I think it's gonna be known. Fascinating. Five picks in the first 15. Odds are that they're not all going to be good, but it's a, a lot of different landing spots and a lot of different zones. The first two we expected with Lawrence and Wilson going 1-2. We saw Lance go 3. little shocking to the Niners. Fields 11 to the Bears. And then Mac Jones 15 to the Patriots. I will say this, Ryan, and, and, and I want to start with, you know, we've broken down Lance, and, or we've broken down um, Lawrence and Wilson a lot. The draft really got started at three. 
I just like the fact that there's still surprises and secrets. I love that Lance was their guy and no one really knew about it. That was just exciting to see. I think it was exciting to see, too. I don't know if I 100% buy it, but I think, you know, now having the benefit of hindsight, Kyle Shanahan can say that. I do think that they were looking at Mac Jones and Trey. I think they were looking at all of them, but I think just how it leaked, uh, like Kyle said, it just gave them the benefit. Yeah, why would you correct that? Yeah, 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 why would you correct it? So I think, um, you know, it still made it for a great surprise, though. And I, I'm really excited to see. Like, I, I wish the season started in a couple of weeks because I really want to see him in that offense. Yeah, we can – starting with Lance, I mean, he definitely is somebody that might be the most, you know, not ready to start right away. And that's how a QB position was for a while. <clears throat> I, think the, mm-hmm. I think the main reason that they address QB so aggressively – Ryan, isn't the fact that Jimmy G was necessarily subpar that he couldn't stay on the field? So now you're getting a chance to do that. And and I just want to also add, their running game, I mean, they've added some running backs to the mix already. Like, they have the Uh best depth at running back by far in the NFL and still, for my money, the best or top two or three play caller in the NFL. So I would be excited. If Lance works out, I mean, this is going to be an epic pick for them for sure. I agree 100%. And I think not only with Jimmy G not being able to stay on the field, because I'm with you, I do think uh, the 49ers and Kyle, they like Jimmy, but like you said, it's the injury thing. I think, too, though, when Jimmy goes out, seeing that they could insert Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard and be respectable, I think gave Kyle really a lot of confidence and Moving up to three, not knowing necessarily who they were going to be left with. Now, maybe the intel they had, they had the Jets 100% in on Wilson. So maybe they knew they were going to have the pick of the two. But it it seems with Kyle being able to insert guys like Mullins and Beathard into the lineup, that drafting somebody like Lance or Fields or whoever they were going to draft, Mm -hmm. that he would, you know, we'd be able to see quick if it's the talent or the scheme. Yeah. Is there any one of these quarterbacks, maybe quarterback or situation that you're not thrilled about that you're well, like that you need to see how they develop or how it looks going out the gate? Doesn't necessarily have well, to be your least favorite, but maybe the least favorite situation. To be honest, it's not never not even necessarily the least favorite situation, but I just really want to see how the Mac Jones things plays out in New England. Um, yeah, there's I a lot of think... people doing victory laps right now, and I and I understand like you didn't trade yeah, up; man. it's great. But you know, let's see here. I yeah, let's see. I want to see. I, I think like Bill Belichick doesn't give any roster spots away. Whatever is gotten out there is going to have to be earned. And I think too. When you watch Mac Jones at Alabama, you know, when you watch Tua at Alabama, all these Alabama quarterbacks, you know, you can see some of the natural talent, but you also see, you know, Sarkeesian scheming guys open, you and see, you see the track team that they have at the skill you position. You see four so, receivers taken in the first round of the NFL Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So so week one of training camp when Mac Jones gets to run with the ones and he's throwing in the kill Harry and, <laughs> Hopefully not. you know, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I you know, I'm just, I, I want to see how it looks. I think it's good in the sense that I mean they're going to give Cam every opportunity. Like this is his last shot to to salvage mm-hmm. it. And you know Bill will keep Mac Jones on the bench all year if that's what's going to help the team. So I do think it's good in that regard. Um I, I like I I think oh, you know, obviously real tra- quick. yeah, go ahead. 
I, I'd be willing to bet money that this is a redshirt year for Mac Jones. I don't think he's going to play. I really don't. I I would I don't want to take that bet because I I I I don't want to say I hope you're right, but if Cam is really bad, Bill will put him out there. But he might not be really bad, and if he's not, and if it's close, yeah. I think he stays. Um, I like I, I like Wilson's arm and his you know and his flair out there. I think he probably has a better, better slightly better arm than Trevor Lawrence, and I think that you know I, I do like him as a prospect. The Jaguars thing with Urban Meyer is fascinating with how they're building that roster and uh, what they're trying to do. Um, everyone's just been nitpicking him, right? Like it's been three years of him being the guy. So every, every flaw or perceived flaw of Trevor Lawrence, is just because we've been watching the tape for so long. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I think it's interesting that it really seems like urban Myers building this program, like Florida and the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, ATN is <laughs> a pick that was fascinating. Cause James Robinson was. was a beast and they signed Carlos Hyde. I don't know. I mean, hey, I, I wish him the best, man, uh, but I, I, it's different, and it's going to be different. Uh, but we do have to talk fields at 11. The Bears get their guy, and it kind of went how I thought it would. Now, I didn't think that – I wasn't sure. None of us were sure that, that the trade-up – I thought for sure a team would trade up, but would they be trading up to get Mac Jones? Would they be trading up to get Fields? It was in that range, and they get to 11, the Bears, and they get Justin Fields. My biggest thing with him last year watching every pretty much every one of his snaps was he didn't get a full season. The ebbs and flow of a normal season didn't help him at all. But, I mean, there's a lot to like about his game. I just, I mean, I, I criticize the Bears a lot for, for Matt Nagy and his play calling last year. I hope he reverts back to, you know, what he was originally and not what he's been the last few years because that would do a disservice to Justin, in my opinion. No, I agree. I think... He's got to take advantage of Justin Fields being a dual threat and get him on the move. You know, not it doesn't have to be options all the time either. Some bootlegs, naked, just anything to move the launch point and take advantage of, you know, Justin's athletic ability. So I'm curious to see what Nagy does. I was surprised to see that move just because when you sign Andy Dalton after trying to get Russell Wilson the the off season that the Bears have had, I did not expect them to get into this. But it's good. And I mean, it's not like it's, they gave up a lot, but they didn't give up as much if it works out right. Because that's what we always right. say. Absolutely. Uh, and they let they let the player fall, and they made a move up, and and it worked out. So the quarterbacks is what quarterback is what we're always going to look at in this draft. Uh, I wasn't surprised that the Falcons didn't take a quarterback because Kyle Pitts is a beast, like the surest thing of any draft player all due respect to everyone in here, is going to be Kyle Pitts next year. Yeah, I agree. I think Kyle Pitts will be the sure thing. Um, and excuse me for not knowing for sure, but I, I wasn't surprised that Atlanta didn't take the quarterback in the first round, but I do hope that they considered taking a quarterback at some point in the draft to plan for the future also. I, I, I hear I, you on that. No, that. it's fair. But I also think that this it's also one of the things where it's not worth forcing it when you have a lot of issues to address, you know? You sure. could, you know, So it doesn't have to be this year. It could be next year. It could be two years. Matt Ryan is not terrible. He had a down year, but that team had so many issues. Um, we talked about Jamar Chase at five. Love him. Great player. Dominant. Was the best player, best receiver on a team that had Justin Jefferson two years ago. But Joe Burrow's going to get killed, man. And I feel yeah. bad because I like Joey, but I, I just get it out fast. Release that yeah. ball quick. 
T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, they don't block. And unless they, they thought, just, unless no. they thought Sewell wasn't the guy. And look, this is where I mean, we could disagree. We're not in these meetings. If they're if they made yeah. this pick because they're just like, you know what, Sewell just didn't grade out. Something was wrong. There's a better lineman depth. Okay, I can live with that. But if they liked them both and said, no, let's just go the receiver, that's when I'm like, this is crazy. Absolutely. And sadly, the thing that we're going to notice about this, what will be the the determining factor, isn't going to be Jamar Chase's performance because I think Jamar Chase will play well. It's if Joe Burrow gets hurt in the same position again. Because if he gets hurt like this again, we'll know – like, that'll be the biggest indictment on that franchise because they would have had the chance to do it. And if he gets hurt or if he gets hit in the same way or even if he doesn't get hurt, you know, he he has the, the Derek Carr stats where he leads the, the league in sacks. Like, we don't – we'll know. We'll know. Well, Ryan, I, I think I want to ask at this point, um, skipping ahead a little bit, but the two parts in the draft I've always got your want your opinion on or what your team did and what your hated Dallas Cowboys did. So mm. I think I know the answer to one, but I'm not sure what the answer is to the first, what you think with your team did. you know. So, you know, we had talked about it <clears throat> kind of leading up to the draft, you and I, and I really wanted us to focus – on the trenches, I felt like that's what won us our championship in 2017, having better big people than everybody else on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. That being said, I'm not mad at having Devontae Smith on the roster. I think he's going to be a great receiver. I really like watching him in Alabama. He reminds, I think, a lot of people, Marvin Harrison, myself included. My thing is, and I know this is a pessimistic view, but – The Eagles aren't going to be ready to win for a long time. And I think by the time they are ready to win two, three years down the road, I don't know if Devontae Smith is going to be ready to get paid by somebody else. Um, So that's what I worry about. And we've drafted receivers in the last three drafts. So this just better be right. Oh, we know the track record with Howie Howie Roseman and receivers. Um, Okay, First thing first, I didn't buy into the to the you know issues that a lot of people had with Devontae Smith. I Me thought the, I thought the Dolphins going with Waddle was interesting. Um, I liked Waddle a lot in college. He probably benefited, definitely benefited from the fact that Smith was the number one you know target that defenses had to scheme for uh, early in his career. But you know, I, I definitely think that Waddle with two is is got some promise there. But so I like do you Smith. think Smith was being humble when he said that if uh, that Waddle would have been uh, the Heisman winner if he had played? I don't. I don't. That's really nice and it's a good teammate thing to say. I do think there's some truth to the fact that if both of those guys are out there, yeah, he's not eating probably as much, you know. So it's very possible. True. It's probably yeah. Mac Jones's award to be perfectly honest, which it looked like for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, the the issues with Smith are going to be the size. Can he take the pounding? And you're not going to really have any answers until he just racks up, you know, complete seasons. I like the fact that at 10 they got him and they got good value there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the team had a lot of issues. So at that point, you know, it was just crazy to me that they tanked that last game of the season to essentially get a high draft pick and then trade it out of it. Like, that, that's just, like, really funny to me looking yeah. back at it. But, it, it makes no sense. yeah, I mean, there, there's issues. And we still have to see if Hurts is the guy. So that's, you know, that's the other mm-hmm. thing. 
Uh, well, that's why I like I like the Landon Dickerson uh, yes. pick in the later rounds. If yeah. he can stay healthy, yeah. If he recovers, he looks good. He, he was he was a, he was a beast at Alabama. I like that pick for you guys a lot as well. I think the Cowboys had a good draft, Ryan. Oh, I do too. And you know, I'll Parsons say this. is a stud. He is. Well, he is, and you know, my dad's a Cowboy fan, and I was talking to him about it, and he was like, "There's no way I would have not." drafted Devonte smith because i refused to let a division rival catch touchdowns on me and i said they wanted they wanted the two corners that had been leaked for the longest they couldn't get them so the smartest thing was to move back they knew the bears didn't need a middle linebacker because they have roquan smith so they were going to get mark michael parsons plus an extra pick i think they did had a great draft mm-hmm. um you know we'll see how Quickly, Michael Parsons can kind of step into that Sean Lee role and uh, command the defense with Jaden Smith and Vander Esch out there. But, you know, if that front seven isn't strong, you know, in that Gus Bradley defense, you're putting a lot on those corners to hold up. And, and he ain't got a Richard Sherman out there. Well, Vander Esch, they, they didn't pick up his option because he's been hurt. So they, oh, they yeah, need the depth yeah. there. I mean, it's still time, obviously, but. You know, I didn't know it was legal for those two teams to make trades, so glad we can <laughs> get to yeah, that man. point. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny. They made trades just to get in front of the Giants, which is hilarious. So funny. Um, also a big night for sons of former NFL players, especially cornerbacks. So we had Macy Horn, Pat Sertan. Asante Samuel Jr. was the one that blew my mind because he seems younger than both those guys. Yeah, that was crazy. I, I was talking. I think it was Steve again. I was saying like, I can't believe Asante Samuel Jr. is going to the NFL. Like, yeah. I, I like we watched his dad in, oh, yeah. in his prime when we were, you know, growing up, and I just think it's crazy. But yeah, this draft definitely felt like a, a big legacy draft for Sertain and JC Horn's a stud, Horn. man. I mean, I watched him in South Carolina. He is really good. He's really good. And in fact, I don't, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the info in front of me of obviously I'm not looking into mock drafts already but i bet you if he's not number one he's close the top corner next year's draft is going to be lsu uh stingley the grandson of you know daryl stingley so yeah and um and Devontae smith tore him up well he Uh, tore everybody up he did he he (laughs) ruined sean wade's career like yeah (laughs) i mean other ravens got him in the last round but like Wade, Wade, Wade suffered from you know playing more than anybody because he played at ohio state last year they moved him outside and it was brutal. And Devontae Smith in one half just basically ended. Yeah, he killed him. Yeah, yeah, it was it was rough. Yeah, he uh, cost him some money. Definitely did. Uh, still time to make it back, though, if he has a good, you know, has a good couple years here. Um, a couple other things before we wrap this up, Ryan. Big night also for Northwestern with all their first-round picks in town, including to my Browns. But they had the linemen go to the Chargers and Newsom going to the uh, Browns, which – Look, we got the linebacker I wanted in the second round. I think Anthony Berry's draft was amazing. But, you know, going corner early, I didn't have a problem with it because the way football's going, you need to just be able to guard all these players and all these skill guys. But it, we don't have a lot of reliability on the corners that we do have. I love Denzel Ward. He's hurt all the time. Greedy Williams was banged up a lot too. So I, I like Newsom. He could be number one. He could be number three. You know, it doesn't really matter if he contributes. Tall, long, long arms, good ball skills. So. Yeah, I like the pick. Yeah, and I think, you know, I texted you about this, and, you know, you brought up the injury point, point, which I didn't really think about. But at first, it really didn't make sense to me at all just because I thought about Ward and I thought about Greedy, and I said, really, you're going to spend 
a first round pick on a guy who will get in at the nickel at best. But like like you said, if, if the guys don't get on the field, he could definitely see some time. I thought the the funniest draft to me was the Raiders because their first round pick was a reach and they actually got good value in the second. It's like if you flipped it, it would yeah. it would have been perfect. But absolutely, did Gruden just draft him because his last name was Leatherwood? It sounds like something he would do. A hundred percent. Apparently, Mayock really liked him, but I think was it Bill Walsh who said it doesn't matter where you pick them; it matters how they play. Yeah, so it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the the pick that didn't make a lot of sense to me. You didn't you'd enjoy this though. Is Kadarius Tony to the Giants? Oh man! I, oh, I I disagree. See, I, I just think. I don't I don't this know. Is, this is Percy Harvin part two, man. Like, but but Percy he, he Harvin might not get with on the Daniel Jones was... though. I mean that's like... no. But in the return game, just I think in the return game he'll be a huge weapon. I think he can work his way on the field and gadget plays at receiver just to add to those. We're going to find out how good Daniel Jones really is, but I think Tony is going to make his money in the return game early and then maybe See, I, yeah, turn I, into Tyreek Hill. But I will say that I thought the Ravens got an absolute steal with the guy I thought was better in Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Yeah. So yeah. I would, I mean, if you're going to target a receiver with that guy with, you know, with how he plays, I thought he mm-hmm. was just would have been a better pick and, the Ravens haven't had the track record either with receiver, so they're hoping to kind of switch the vibe as well. But um, I hope so. And I, to be honest, I uh, I thought the Ravens were going to try to get a big body receiver because that's really what they've been looking for. But the two guys they got are six foot and five eleven. As much as it pained me that Najee Harris went to the Steelers, <laughs> I'm saving my hope that their line was so bad that it won't make a difference if if they don't get better blocking up front. Because if they do, then I'm screwed. But <laughs> that's all. That's basically it right now. Yeah, man. I I don't know. This seems like this could be um, Willie Parker part two. God, I hope not. Uh, other notes, too, with this draft. I saw the Saints haven't taken a quarterback in the first round in 50 years, which is pretty funny, which is just yeah. a funny, mind-blowing stat. So I heard Mike Lombardi say that apparently the Saints wanted to get into the top 10, but they couldn't. So I don't know what they would have done there, but maybe they would have tried to get a quarterback. Yeah, it would have been something to see. Um, you know, because I, I don't know that, I mean, you're going to give Jameis a shot. You're going to give Taysom Hill a shot. You're going to see um, you have cap issues. I, I, I think, you know, they probably looked at it, didn't want to bet the farm. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that in my opinion. They still have a pretty good roster, so let's just see what you got and you know, address the rest going forward. Um that makes sense. Before I let you go, what uh later round picks? Anything catch your eye, second round and on of this draft? Um, so I have to mention my team, of course, with the Landon Dickerson pickup. And then there's somebody I'm thinking of right now and I can't or he was like the second player taken in this uh in the oh. second round. Oh, Javante uh no, it was Somebody. Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Though, yeah, Elijah Moore. Yeah, Elijah yeah. Moore. Yeah, that's a good one for him, and that's a great job for the Jets. You know, given they've already done more for Zach Wilson than they did for Sam Darnold. Exactly. <laughs> that's like four years they did it in one day. Exactly. Oh, I don't that know, was, that's the Adam Gase effect. But. I mean, that's I'm rooting for Sam just like just because he didn't get a fair shake at all in New York. Um, but the third pick was Javante Williams, the running back from North Carolina, the Broncos. I think he's a beast for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'll ask you about one. What do you think about Trask going to Tampa Bay? You think Brady will 
He was Mr. okay. Him. He was yeah. okay with it. I mean, the story yeah. was he was in locked in, and Brady is like, "It's fine." He's like, "I'm just going to keep playing, and there's no spot for him." But I'm happy to teach him, you know, the TB12 yeah. method. Okay. No, I, I thought the draft was good. I like the Browns picks for sure. Uh, JOK, my guy, the linebacker from Notre Dame, really loved that. Mm-hmm. And then the receiver we got from uh, Auburn, who had like the fastest forty. I think that was in the third round, but it might have been the fourth. Oh, I don't even think. Yeah, I don't think I caught that one. What did he run? Yeah, Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. Okay, yeah, yeah I know His that. His 40 was pretty fast. Yeah, Schwartz, yeah. Definitely a burner. He was a track star. I don't have the number in front of you, but I'm guessing okay. the four threes. But, you know, give the Browns a chance. Look, this is the most exciting. Oh, and the other star of the Browns draft was Miles Garrett in that jacket he was wearing. Yeah, man, about to pop out of it. That's just that was fighting for dear life. I mean, come on. that guy yeah. is just too big. Literally, uh, here, I mean that that's a massive man. Here you go, Schwartz, four two five forty, fastest wow. among all prospects. So we'll see. I mean, that's you know value for the third round. See what we can do. Oh, hundred um, percent. You know, Browns. It's an exciting time. So yeah, Ryan, look out for him on special teams. Oh, absolutely, Ryan. This was fun. Pleasure chatting with you as always. We got uh, a little football break for a little bit, but. There'll be more. This this game doesn't sleep. It doesn't stop. More football to talk about in the oh, uh, weeks to follow. But thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Appreciate you, man. All right, huge thanks again to my buddy Ryan Souls for hopping on today's show. And the Aaron Rodgers story is just beginning. So we're going to follow that. We know the football will not slow down. It's a 365-day-a-year sport now. So I'm pumped to see it. Matt Wittenberg next on the Money Mitch Effect to talk baseball, his Dodgers, my Indians, all the other teams, the stories, Mike Trout's historic start to the season. We had a lot to discuss there. We also touch on some other sports as well. It's Matt Wittenberg on the Money Mitch Effect right now. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, joined by my friend Matt Wittenberg to break down uh, a lot of different sports, including baseball. But Matt, Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, first things first, we we liking this Dodgers start. I just want to dive right in. You know, big diehard <laughs> Dodger fan. Is there any level of panic? Uh, it's not. No, I wouldn't go as far as to say panic. It's you don't like to see your team lose ever, but if you're gonna have a slump, I'll take it in um, April over this happening in October any day. So just like a bunch of injuries piling up. It's just like everything sort of happening at once. But, hey, if the Dodgers are able to get this out of the way in April and then coast the rest of the season, I'll be more than okay with it. It's definitely disappointing, though, just a rough uh, rough couple weeks, but not ready to hit the panic button quite yet. Yeah, I saw the May uh, news today with Tommy John for him, mm-hmm. uh, another arm being lost. It's It's weird because the metrics are pretty standard. It just shows you how, like, there's more to it. Like the beginning of the season, you guys were kind of coasting, dominant on both sides. So if you look at total runs, four runs against, like ERA, all that stuff, it doesn't look terrible. But, you know, it's been the last six games that's really dropped it down. Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah, sort of a war of attrition at this point with all of the arms going down. And, I mean, that's why you build up the depth that you build up just to cope with this and, like, yeah, because Manny goes down now, and then two of the guys that you would potentially replace him with in the rotation with uh, Gonsolin and David Price both also on the injured list. So, yeah, not a, certainly not ideal, but also not 
panic mode yet. This team's way too deep and talented to really yeah. be derailed this early. But yeah, it's just um, just a little bit of a rough patch, and hopefully things really start turning the corner injury-wise come like the end of May when a lot of those guys are supposed to be back in the fold. I would say that it's great to see Justin Turner hit, playing so well. Um, you know, having especially not even knowing that he was going to be back, you know, after what the contract situation was like. As mm-hmm. far as guys struggling and going in slump, there's, you know, players you trust more to hit their way out of it. Like, I don't look at Bellinger's slump and think, oh my God, he's doomed. But I got to say, I'd have a little bit of pause on Muncie uh, and some of the other players in the lineup. Um, not really, and that's just one player, but from the Dodger games I've seen, just not really hitting the contact and. You know, very Yankees-like in that sense, where it seems like I got a lot of guys that just want to mash out there, and the other side of that coin is a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, Mookie, another guy struggling a little bit out of the gate here, but he, in the same vein as Bellinger, who's also on the injured list right now, and hopefully get him back in May. But you think that guys like that are definitely going to work their way out of it at the end, or not even the end, come maybe a month or two down the line in the season, and. Yeah, Muncy is definitely an interesting case. He struggled last season, too, in the abbreviated year, but really turned it on in the playoffs, which is, I mean, great, and you love to see that. But what his, like, real value is, like, if you watch his at-bats, he takes, like, I don't know, three or four pitches on average, yeah. and he's, like, an insane walk machine. So yeah. if you ever need a guy on base, like, he's <laughs> definitely a good guy to have up, at like, during those crunch situations. But, yeah. A.J. Pollock had a huge game on Sunday, had grand slam, and then a three-run homer. So you look, like to see him going a little bit, too. And then Chris Taylor's always sort of been sort of Mr. Reliable. But, um, yeah. yeah, another one of my favorite guys, uh, Zach McKinstry, um, also on the IL, and he had such a hot start to the season. So just like these guys turning out the farm system, like always come in ready. So hopefully love to see him get back in the fold uh, not too long down the road. Well, some of these players might be struggling or might be used to not getting their footing early because, you know, the lineup's going to be whatever the computer spits out at a certain point. But I, I, I wouldn't be worried mm-hmm. too much about uh, the start. Uh, the one question that I did have, though, is, you know, look at the division. And I think that's more surprising to me is that it is the Giants. I know, unfortunately, you don't want to see that, but the Giants sitting in first for the moment. But you do have four teams mm-hmm. within two games of each other. And the Rockies, everyone expected to be bad. No surprise there. But of those other three, you know, the Padres were kind of trendy. Is there any that you just think total pretender, not worried at all, would be shocked if they made it? Or do you think sizing them up, we're going to have to wait a little bit to see how good or, or bad these teams end up being? I would be very surprised if both the Giants and Diamondbacks maintain okay. like, yeah. this pace throughout the rest of the season. Just overall depth isn't there for both of them. Giants are really getting like a lot of good like power production like out of the gates. Which Dude, their has been pitching has surprising. been amazing too. Like they, they yeah, have, I mean, no too. one can score on these teams. It seems like at home, it's like ten to three or something like that. Um, I, I would, I would say definitely the Diamondbacks surprised me a little bit more. Um, I, I agree. It's it's Dodgers Padres. It looks like we're getting to. And honestly, I think you know both teams have been slowed by injuries, and I guess lucky fortunate if you want to say that the other team has been <laughs> slowed as well because you could look at it in one way is like our team is really hurt and it, it's unfortunate but the other side of it is thank god mm-hmm. they're hurt because they had a real chance to pull away yeah yeah exactly and then 
the Padres really dodging that early uh, bullet with Tatis's injury being as minor as it was because that looked like that could be season ending when he went down with that shoulder issue. So, I mean, that, I love watching that dude play. I know he's on the Padres, but he's just, yeah. I mean, this isn't really a hot take. He's like the <laughs> oh, most exciting pretty. player in baseball. So well, he's, yeah. he's really fun. So, I mean, it's cool to see like sort of this new rivalry emerge uh, because it's always been Dodgers Giants and out West. So it's cool to see this new little spin on it with getting uh, the Padres back up in the fold for contention. Yeah, they finally realize not to just you know make outlandish trades and blow all the capital because they've always had pretty good farm teams. <laughs> um, yep. you no, know, it, it's been a banner couple with the NFL draft. It's been just a banner couple weeks, couple months even for uh, legacies for sons of former athletes, former players with all yeah, the cornerbacks that we were drafted. Well, yeah, yeah, Asante Samuel Jr. That just blows my mind. I did a spit take. I was like, this Crazy. doesn't make any sense. But you know the the. MLB, you got Tatis who's tearing it up, and then Vladdy Jr., man, just taking Scherzer to the woodshed. That was, uh, you know, last week uh, very impressive as well. It's kind of cool. Bichette is, you know, that Toronto team, Toronto by way of Buffalo, wherever they're playing right now. Um, yeah, we've got oh, a couple legacies. <laughs> Florida, yeah, see, I can't even keep up with it. But they have, uh, they have a lot yeah. of legacies on that team, and it's good to see some of these kids come through and be the next ones up. Yeah, yeah, Biggio, Bichette, Vlad Jr., yeah, it's basically the uh, – the junior team. So, I mean, they figure they just draft all of the guys who were son of uh, sons of former big leaguers and we'll be okay. So that's an exciting group. But um, yeah, Vladdy, I mean, he was as hyped as anyone coming out and still not, not a great defender, but his bat is something else. You know, the national league, Matt, everybody is, is been kind of stumbling out of the gates. I, I did this baseball mm-hmm. talk two weeks ago and it was a lot of the same. Uh, what we're starting to see now is the team that another unfortunate, the team that I thought would be another real contender actually did find their footing. The St. Louis Cardinals eight and two in their last 10. I know Milwaukee had your number this weekend and I know they're playing well, but I just, I think this is going to be the Cardinals uh, year to win the central and get back into contention. I really do. Yeah, they, I mean, Nolan Arenado speaks for himself. That guy is just an absolute monster, both he opposite of Vlad, while he's amazing with the glove and, I mean, can hit with anyone. Just, I know that big chorus thing was always this conception with how's this guy going to hit when his home field is in the that's just what, ridiculous. feet of elevation. <laughs> that's just, for a guy that good, I that's mean, just ridiculous to say. Yeah, that they're they're a scary squad. They got a pretty solid pitching staff too, so I would expect them to hang around. I mean, I don't expect the Cubs to be quite as bad as they've been mm-hmm. to start the season, so we'll see about that. I know there might be some Chris Bryant trade rumors coming Ooh. as they get closer to the deadline if they're still around like 500 outside looking in, but yeah, yeah I'm surprised about the Brewers being as good as they have with Christian Yelich being hurt for most of the season so far, so and yeah. then Corbett Burns just went on the IL for them, so that's another big loss. Yeah, just I noticed the stat as well. The the Brewers um, are actually behind; they're like minus two in the run differential, which for five games above is a little strange. The Cardinals are plus nineteen, mm-hmm. and that I just remember like they blew a lot of games early. Like their bullpen choked up a lot of games in that first week of the season, first two weeks. So they're yep. they're shoring it up and playing a lot better. Um, and then, you know, of course, you have the NL East, which looks like a train wreck right now. And I, I still think, I mean, it's early, but 
it's hard to really count the Braves out or, or look at them, to me at least. Now, I might be wrong and looking at it differently, but they, they seem like the team that in a in an average to below average division, they'll figure it out and you know, twelve and sixteen, but still well within striking distance to find their footing and then win the division again. Yeah, I agree. They're they're the most talented team. I think uh, a little surprising just to see the leaders in that division around five hundred. I mean, I expect it to be a pretty good division, so Mets and uh, Nats, I kind of expect to fall off, but I think the, Net, the Mets will end up being the biggest challengers to the Braves. I mean, if they can finally score some runs for Jacob DeGrom, that'd be cool, but that's, Atlanta's that's just poor like, guy. that lineup's really good, that their pitching set. I mean, they took the Dodgers to the brink in the NLCS, but thankfully choked it away. So I, w- I would fully expect them to be the team to beat uh, come midseason or so. There's been a lot of interesting things in this in this division, um, just just from a fan perspective. Um, two teams have gotten almost kind of screwed by officiating, like the Braves game where they I don't know how they didn't give them the run at home plate, which was just comedy. <laughs> yep. And then you have the uh, ground rule double last night that should have tied the game for the Phillies, which I thought was pretty funny against the Mets. Yeah, on Sunday, Sunday night. night baseball too. <laughs> Which was funny, yeah, and of course Philly was it, yeah it was Philly's Mets where you just had a near melee. Yep. Um, yeah, those were two big dudes too. That would have been a legit fight. That would have been a tough one. You know, <laughs> you got to break that up. Um, it made me think of something else too with this division and in general. We talked about um, players in baseball, with, and there's just you know a lot of exciting guys in there. Obviously, Mike Trout. I want to get to in a second. Just insane, mm-hmm. insane. But Trout, <laughs> Otani's tearing it up. Tatis, Mookie Betts, Acuna's right in that discussion. Like he, he, he is electric. He's exciting, and you know, I'm never going to say a baseball player is better than Mike Trout, but I, he might be my number two right now in the game, all encompassing. It's a pretty value. You can definitely make that argument and not have a lot of uh, guys disputing it. But he had some monster shots man he, he's exciting he's got the same sort of like fiery type personality as a uh, tatis too so i can definitely see the comparisons there he's uh yeah i was <laughs> not happy to see him on the other side and then lcs for those seven games just like thinking every time he comes up he's gonna do something insane which a lot of times he did deliver but i mean just absolutely mashing so far he's got nine home runs 20 yeah. ribbies Batting over 300, yeah. special. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's just so many exciting players, young, especially exciting players, um, and he's right at the at the forefront. Uh, Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch Effect. I mentioned his name as we kind of transition to the American League. Um, Mike Trout, just incredible. Like, just, just think about this: the fact that this is his best start he's ever had. And this is a guy nope. that's <laughs> the best. He has the best war of all time. Multiple seasons of that is hitting over 400 is remarkable. And yet still the angels are, are not, you know, they're sitting currently fourth in a crowded division, which is 500. But at a certain point, I'm not feeling sorry for him because he signed the contract. He's getting paid handsomely, but it's a reached a point in baseball where it's what more can he physically do? He keeps trying, but I just, man, every time he plays, you know that he's going to push, to the limit, do everything he can. Unfortunately, it might not be enough for the Angels, but he'll produce, though. I know, just a casual, what, 400 average to start the season. He's uh, by far and away the most underappreciated superstar in sports, maybe ever, because, I mean, just like you rattled yeah. off the numbers for how historically dominant this guy is, and 
he's playing in, I guess it's not really LA. I mean, we're out here at Anaheim, so I, I don't know if you can really say it's a big market, but it is still Southern California. It's like you get the media attention here. So it's just like an absolute shame that they're not more competitive. I mean, it is still early. They have a pretty solid lineup. I mean, talk about who I think is like the story of the start of the, to the season is Shohei Otani just mm. getting it done yeah. at the at the plate and on the mound. He's, I mean, if he can stay healthy and keep this up all season, that's just, I mean, something I never thought I'd see as a baseball fan, a guy being that good at both or, and the team actually letting a guy like that hit when he, he's not on the mound. It's just, I, it's absurd. But He's insane. He had the play tonight. I don't know if you saw it where he got to second. Like basically on a ball that just made it to the outfield barely off of a glove, he just kept going and got there. Um, <laughs> speed pitching, whatever, it, it, it's amazing, and and he's mashing, and I really do like what he is and what he represents for the game. But the pitching thing, I mean, like I, I don't, I'm not there with you that he's going to start, and then they're going to have to ride out a DH or a no DH mm-hmm. in big games. Should the Angels ever play in a big game? That's another story, but you know what I mean, That's like. True. You have to play by those rules, so you're putting a lot on him. Because you know, if he gets rocked or something happens, you're just playing double switches, NL rules the whole time, and depleting your bench. So I don't know about that, exactly. but it's it's exciting, man. I mean, he's in that discussion with Acuna and Tatis, and you know, all these guys, most exciting player in baseball, and and he's done his part for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, weren't you at his uh, home debut out was. here in uh, Anaheim? And he hit a home yeah, run against Josh Tomlin, <laughs> which probably was his last start in, in professional baseball. It should have been if it wasn't. Um, but, yeah, he hit a home run in his first game. Showtime did. Um, that division is going to be a log jam. Unlike the, unlike the NL West, Matt, I don't think that there really is a traditionally bad team in this division. Now, we can discuss mm-hmm. who might fall further from the pack. Rangers currently sitting last at 13 and 16, but I, I put them above teams like the Rockies and even the Diamondbacks. So I think this is going to be a bottleneck division all the way through. Yeah. You know, I kind of accept, expect Seattle to fall off a little bit too. Um, but I think that the three, yeah, I just feel like the three contenders the rest of the way are going to be sort of jockeying between Oakland unfortunately the Astros and then the Angels so rooting obviously for the Angels just because it would be a really cool story to finally get to see Mike Trout get some playoff games under his belt and just how exciting that team is with Otani and Rendon being pretty good just their pitching is just such a question mark I feel like that's been the case for the last I don't know decade or so Uh, I mean Oakland's really exciting too and they've been such a good team the last couple years I mean had that what 13 game winning streak uh, just to, just to go, just to start yeah. the season when they were like zero and eight, I think, right out of the gate. So yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, they've still been getting shellacked on the other side of the plate. So the Angels, I, I don't know if it's together this year, but the first signs of a pulse, which is good. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying the Indians being in the Central because that's keeping me afloat. <laughs> as, they, <laughs> as they continue to uh, just you know stay stay the course. Benefiting from the fact that, look, I'll stake my claim on one thing: the Royals. It's not gonna. That will not last. There's no way. Yeah. Not just saying. Yeah, not just saying it because you know the tribe's putting it on them tonight here late in this one as we record. But uh, no, I mean the fact that the White Sox haven't jumped out and that the Twins have struggled. That's the biggest surprise to me. Is just how bad the Twins have been this year. But 
Cleveland can't really hit. I mean, we're just hanging on by a thread with great pitching and just how absolutely ridiculous Shane Bieber is week after week, it yeah, seems. Something else. Former uh, Money Mitch effect guest, I, I might add. I, but, we, uh, we keep yeah, that leading the league strong. in K's. You know, and I got to give credit to where credit's due. I, I, I chirped Framel Reyes a little bit, not to his face, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I just the Franimal. <laughs> the Franimal is unleashed. No, I uh, I noticed the trend early that uh, he was, you know, getting a lot of his big hits when they weren't in clutch situations, you know, garbage time, if you will. But he has done it about face, and he has delivered. And they need any bat that they can get. So, you know, all this is bonus. Jose Ramirez starting the season struggling. I think they'll get better, and they'll be in the mix. I, I'm not going to say they'll win the division this year based on their lineup, but, hey, we've seen it happen before, and this division is not very good. You also get to play the Tigers a lot, which is lovely, so who knows? Yep. Yeah, I think that the White Sox will end up in being the team to beat most of the rest of the way just because, I mean, they're so offensively talented. They've lost Luis Robert for a good stretch. I, I don't know if I saw the timetable on how long he'll be out but yeah that team is just I mean they went all out in the offseason got Liam Hendricks as their closer and everything got good old old school LaRusso pulling the strings I mean I can't stand him to be honest but guys won a lot so I can't necessarily discount it it leads me to a bigger point that this is probably the worst the AL has been in a very long time collectively like you'd have to yeah like you'd have to say um Part of it is the Yankees or you know whoever that team is supposed to be in the AL East. The Red Sox are playing well, and they're actually exceeding expectations by a lot. But it was supposed mm-hmm. to be the Yankees division this year with Tampa with the Snell trade and kind of taking a step back. You know That division, the Yankees have no contact hitters. Glaver Torres was absolutely atrocious to start the season, and you know the pitching wasn't that up there. Now, they're 14-14, and, and they're still my money to win this division, but... You know, the Astros, no no real dominant team in the AL West. The AL is basically March Madness. Just get in, get hot, see what happens, because I, I don't yeah, think any of exactly. these teams are great. Yeah, maybe if uh, the Indians somehow sneak in, you got that one-two with uh, Bieber and uh, Naquin at the top, then, I mean, who knows? So, yeah, I think – I uh, or Plesak, sorry. Yeah. Um, I fully expect um, the Yankees to come out of the East. It's just, yeah. Really, really bad at the plate. Their pitching staff's too good, though, and their bullpen's actually really solid. So, yeah, one three in a row now. Um, I kind of expect the Red Sox to fall off, but I think that the Blue Jays could last like and be their biggest competition down the stretch. Actually, I kind of, you know what? I can't can't completely count out the Rays either. They've just no. like always found a way to hang around and then make a little bit of a run come the end of the season. So. I mean, they're exciting, too, with uh, good old Randy and then, uh, like, Tyler Glasnow a lot, too. So, yeah, I think that they're definitely going to have something to say about the AL East before it's all said and done. Do you find it fascinating that Vlad Jr., as great as he is, is kind of built nothing like his dad? Like, his dad was, like, tall and I was lean, thinking and that, he's just too. Like, yeah. like, a little chunky, you know? <laughs> I would I would not know that that's the son if he didn't have the same name, no. like, a completely different build and then obviously one the third baseman and the others a twig out in the outfield yeah. just obviously like i mean for my money one of the best outfield arms ever i mean that guy had an absolute cannon yeah. one of the prettiest swings too just an all, all around stud it was amazing um before we kind of move move this conversation along to other topics where do you think a landing spot would be if he gets traded 
would Chris Bryant go? As great as he's playing to start the year, who do you think would be in the market for him? If we had to guess. That's a great question. Um, well, I know a team that I think would be in the market, and I really hope it's not, would be Houston. <laughs> I think they would swing for the yeah. fences. I mean, because, you have Bregman at third, though. I guess you could shift someone I just short. Think, or, I, think, I think the teams we'd have to look for for... DH. Yeah, I think the teams we'd have to look for for a move like this would be teams with short windows, you know, that are like, we have yeah, a core, this true. is it, we're not going to... We're not going to risk it. We're not going to be ahead of schedule. And, you know, the Yankees, like, I don't know how he solves the problems that they're going to have. So it's just fascinating to yeah, see what the market would be for a guy like that. Yeah, that's true, because there's not a lot of, like, obvious picks. And, I mean, the Cardinals, if they didn't just trade for Arenado, mate, no, that could, that trade would never happen. I, mean, yeah, I, I know, never. mentioning that. So. <laughs> that would be Chris like Bryant of to the Cardinals. That, <laughs> that would be funny. But what <laughs> about what about teams that struggle at third? What about if they traded in the same city? Mm. Comes a South Sider. Wow. Yeah. See, that's I'm not, not sure as, how well that one would go yeah. over, but yeah, yeah, they could use him. Yeah, have him DH sometimes too. So um, maybe the Mets. I don't know if they'd want to deal him in the NL though. So. Well, let's just give the Mets more great players. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you know that they're going all out. They got the new uh, billion-dollar owner. So yeah, yeah, he's David certainly Tepper, something. No, Tepper's the Panthers guy. Cohen, right? I think it is Cohen's the owner of the Mets. Yeah, they, they're yep. they're doing some things there. Um, I did want to ask you before we move to another sport. Um, your thoughts on the extra inning rule that is blown up right in the Dodgers' face a few times this year. <laughs> I am decidedly not a fan. Um, I, I will admit it's a little bit more exciting. It just doesn't feel like real baseball to me. It feels like something out of Little League, and it's just like, I mean, obviously it's great that they don't do in the uh, postseason, but these games count towards the postseason, so I'm decidedly not a fan. Right out of Little League. That's great. Like we're going to just put the ball on the tee in the, in the 11th <laughs> inning. Yep. Yep, 100%. Um, I mean, I'm just not for it. I'm just trying to think what else they could do. I mean, there, there's not really much that would be kind of more like funnier than that, you know? Like you make the yeah. other. Team... I mean, put it at first, then. Yeah. I mean, that's a little <laughs> bit more fair. Just like it, like has the you have the double play right out of the gate, then yeah. instead of just the guy right in scoring position. I mean, I'd be not like 100 percent okay with it, but I'd be that'd be more tolerable to me. You got to play dizzy bat or something, you know, something like that. Yeah. Next, that's the next one. Uh, Matt Wittenberg, Money Mitch Effect. I do got to give props as we switch gears here to the leading goal scorer in the National Hockey League. He scored again tonight. I don't know if you know this, but thirty-nine goals for Scottsdale's finest, Austin Matthews. Yeah, the stud, absolute Just, stud. I mean, that's good. Great for uh, hockey to have like, the Maple Leafs be like relevant again. So, I mean, it took them enough bites of the apple to find the right mix of guys up there. So, uh, I mean, super stoked for Austin. Hopefully, yeah. keep the dream alive that he one day end up, uh-huh. ends up uh, with the hometown team. Maybe has a little retirement tour. So, third contract, I don't know. He, he gets tired of uh, living in Canada for a bit. So, that's, yeah. uh, that's me keeping the dream alive. If it wasn't for, you know, Connor McDavid just making a mockery of the NHL, Austin Matthews would probably have won the MVP this year. Uh, he's been incredible. Um, I'm going to jump on Toronto in the Stanley Cup playoffs as well because they got Felino, my boy, former Blue Jackets captain, when that season went belly up. So 
Uh, I'm going to be pulling for those guys to do some things there. They're probably going to play who they played tonight, Montreal, in the first round, which is just insane. You know, you just wonder and you hope that they might be able to get, you know, without fans there, it's going to be terrible because Canada's got their issues because that would be, that would be just insane. Probably the greatest rivalry in hockey, one of the greatest rivalries in sports. Which, by the way, wait, just a little side note. The game-winning goal was scored tonight by the College Hockey Player of the Year who had back-to-back overtime goals in his rookie guy. Just week signed with the team, Cole Caulfield from Wisconsin. Five That's foot how seven. You start a career. Five foot seven. That's all he wow. is. And just showing up from <laughs> Paul Korea. Just showing up and already dominating, scoring OT goals. Made me think. It's like hockey has the baseball model where you know you finish and you just join the team. But you know, imagine if the NFL yep. was like that, or like. <laughs> Devontae Smith is healthy, but he, and he, Devontae Smith like just tears up the title game, and he's just in Philly like a week later. <laughs> yep, you know for the playoff push. Well, I mean not this, not this past year for them, but <laughs> yeah. But if you had that, that would be pretty wild. Um, I did want to get your thoughts though on you know we I talked draft earlier in the show, but how are you feeling about the Cardinals? Um, it was an interesting draft. I won't say I necessarily hate it. Um. Just not a lot of like big, uh, big wows. I guess would be the way to put it. Um, I do like the Rondale Moore pick a lot. I think, I mean, dude's an absolute burner. Talk about a small guy that can tear it up. I mean, I don't have to do as an Ohio State fan, but his freshman year game against Ohio State. I'm like, aware. Put Thank him you on for the that. national <laughs> map. I mean, it's what like 200 and 300 all-purpose yards, and I mean, an absolute show. But and then Bill dealt with um injuries the previous two seasons so he's as long as he can stay on the field man i i'm really excited to see what what he can do in that office and um didn't know a whole lot about zayvon collins honestly going into the draft the first round pick out tulsa but just watching like the guy's highlights i mean he's got an absolute nose for the ball i think that he's a little bit like bigger and more of an enforcer than isaiah simmons is so like those two guys should complement each other well in the and um, Vance Joseph's defense. And then guys at the end of the round or at the end of the draft, they got just like some straight athletes that, I mean, that they're banking on their athleticism and the upside because they're not necessarily the most like polished prospects, but they're guys that you figure that you can like coach up to get there. But because you can't teach the athleticism, you got it or you don't. So I like the, yeah, like the approach, the secondary. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping those guys, Marco Wilson out of Florida, the fourth round pick, he's, uh, the guy who threw the shoe in the LSU game famously. Hopefully he can uh, not do that in the NFL. That'd be ideal. And then um, another guy that's getting a lot of hype, James Wiggins, the safety from uh, Cincinnati. A lot of people are pretty high on seventh-round pick. So we'll see. We need, the, we need to start hitting on those guys more and more. It's an arms race, man. I mean, that division especially. Um, you gotta, murderer's Row. Murderer's Row. D, I've all... I, I don't know if it's the best at the top, but it's definitely the deepest. You know, you got to be ready, and you know, an injury can just completely derail you. But uh, no, I, th- I think you guys are doing a good job to to stay the course and keep up with everything. Like a lot of things, going to come down to you know Kyler's development. Can he take that next step, consistent throughout the year, stay healthy? Um, but you know, or can Cliff take the next step? <laughs> yeah, that's Cliff the biggest question. Realize how to manage a game in the last two minutes of each half. That would be a, that would be a nice bonus. I don't have to tell you that. Um, no. Yeah, how about the Browns, though? A lot of love for that draft. I'm pumped, man. Um, you know, we needed the help at, on the defensive side of the ball, just like Miles Garrett needs a new jacket. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
burst a seam on stage. Yeah, it yeah. was not built for his arms. Yeah, it was it was crazy for sure. Uh, wait, before I let let you go, this was fun catching up, talking a bunch of sports. I mentioned panic. Are you full panic about the Lakers? Probably going to have to play in this playing game scenario. Yes, absolutely. At there's complete panic. opposite end. Of the, yeah, there's complete panic. opposite end of the spectrum as the uh, Dodgers. Just because, I mean, Schroeder's going to be out the rest of the regular season with the COVID protocols. I mean, who knows when LeBron's going to come back? It's it's a mess. The team just like it, they just look lost right now, and then have a tough schedule down the stretch too. Just got the Nuggets tonight as we're recording this, and then um, the Clippers later this week. It's just, I mean, not ideal whatsoever. So I am, yeah, fully expecting the worst out of this, and definitely expecting them to be in the play tournament. Wow, that's a full panic. I just find it so funny that, and it's not just the Lakers, but Dallas too. Everybody loves the playing game until they actually have to play in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can have this conversation, 100%. but like, don't don't be hypocritical. Like, is it exciting? Yes. Is it fair? Probably not. But, you know, it'd be like, it'd be one no. thing if a team that was like, you know, not in that position was there. But yeah, I... uh I don't know, man. That's gonna be it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a fun, fascinating race for a couple of these sports. Because with hockey and basketball, you kind of don't realize the season's ending because they weren't able to play full slates. They both had to play catch up. Season's gonna end, yep. and suddenly we're you know we'd already be starting playoffs. They would have started already. So, um, gonna be fun. Gonna How be about fun. the first round matchup? The Lakers do make it either matching up with uh, Phoenix or Utah in the first round, and that'd be something. Yeah, I I think it's better for both those teams to get them early, you know? Like, obviously, best-case scenario would be to avoid a healthy, peaking Lakers for sure. But I am in the school of thought that just get them when they're wounded. Get the animal when they're wounded, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, like it's better to just confront this head-on early and and knock them out early. That'd be me. It's like Jason in in those movies. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so we'll see. There's a reference. Yeah. With this was fun. Thanks for coming on, talking sports, know your stuff, uh, champion of the sun. Thanks for coming on. The uh, <laughs> had to throw one in there. At always, the end. always, to, man. <laughs> you got, yeah, had had to throw one in there. And and uh, you know, as far as the Lakers, maybe the Dodgers go. I'll always be here to offer you an egg during your trying time. <laughs> yeah, that's what friends are for. Thanks again for coming on, man. Hi, uh, you got it. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks to Ryan Souls. Thanks to Matt Wittenberg for appearing as guest on the show. A reminder, you can catch every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play by just searching Money Mitch Effect, and it comes right up. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page as well, and uh, follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Also want to give a shout-out to Medina Spirit and Bob Baffert, the Kentucky Derby. Another derby for Bobby Ric Flair Baffert. The greatest horse trainer of all time continues to lap the field. No coincidence that Tom Brady was there at the event as well. I'm just saying. That's it for this week's show. We'll try to be back next week for more sports content. Thank you for listening to The Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports.